What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the PD Performance Podcast. Season three, we are absolutely flying it. We reached number 12 in the Irish Fitness Charts this week, and we were 14 the previous week, so happy enough with that, and happy to be providing some valuable conversations or valuable opinions and valuable content for you guys are much appreciated listeners who we love having and the podcast is continuing to grow so surely we are doing something right and you guys are enjoying listening to my thoughts and listening to the thoughts of the guests that I have on the podcast but again today I have another solo episode for you guys and what I'm going to talk about today is something that I have been talking about fairly frequently for the last couple of weeks or the last week, at least since the GAA fixture lists have come out in Dublin. And it is the topic of the dual sport athlete. So the athlete that is playing both hurling and football or playing camogie and football. The question being posed is, is it possible to be an effective and elite level dual sport athlete at club level anymore due to the amount of fixtures and the demands placed on the body of the athletes in question that are trying to do so? And I know tons of athletes that are really trying their best to put their best foot forward for both their football team and their hurling team. And I've been having conversations with people that have just booked in for calls and booked in for advice around managing their loads. And it really is a very difficult thing to do. And the major questions that you've got to ask initially is why are you playing both sports? And usually the reasoning behind playing both sports is you love the game. You love playing both sports. So if you love the game and you love to play, then obviously you should have the opportunity to play both sports to the best level that you possibly can play them to. But just since the fixture list has come out for 2023 and through no fault of the organisers, well, maybe some fault of the organisers, it seems to be a little bit infeasible to make yourself available for both teams throughout the year, at least in Dublin and at least in the in the scenarios that I am dealing with. Because the way that the league is fixed in both is there's 12 teams in the league. So you have 11 games or 11 fixtures in the league. That's before the knockout semifinals and final or your relegation playoff, etc., depending on where you go. So you may have 13 games in the league in one sport and 13 in the other sport. As well as that, then you have your championship after that. And the maximum amount of matches that you will play in the championship is six in the football or eight in the hurling. And that's before you even are, if you're so lucky to be successful, to go on into the Leinster Championship. Added onto that, you have your practice matches. That's coming out at over 40 games in a season, which is absolutely insane. And it's something that I really can't fathom. And I don't know why there are so many games, but I know that the games are there because the players want to play, but it seems from the way the split season is running now and the way that the fixture list comes out and the fixture list is set up, as well as the way that it's structured to give break weeks, it's kind of not making it easy to be a dual player in Dublin, at least anymore. Now, there are a variety of options available if you do want to play both sports, and I always, with my athletes, say that I'll facilitate them as best as I possibly can to be the best that they can be in both sports if that's what they want to do. But they are, by 
inherently by focusing on playing both sports who which both have a coincidental season so they coincide with each other you are limiting your performance in both because you're not going to have the same opportunities to focus in on one sport and being uh, optimally developed to play that sport you're going to end up missing training sessions because you'll be playing both sports so therefore your recovery window after games is going to impact on how frequently you can train with your team so you're going to miss the tactical and technical elements of uh training that occurs when you're away from training so you're not going to get the same exposure to training that the other players in the group are going to get if they're only playing one sport that being said, if you're an outlier and you're already unbelievable at both sports, you might be able to be willing to make that sacrifice and potentially your coaches will be willing to do that just to get you on the field. But as well as that, you're going to miss out on valuable time spent pushing the athletes in each team a little bit harder in terms of their conditioning and conditioning them to the game because you're going to be not recovered to the same amount because you have such demand of fulfilling training sessions on a weekly basis. It goes without saying that if a player is only training three nights a week versus a player that's training four to five nights a week, then the player that's training three nights a week has more opportunities to recover from the three training sessions if they have more opportunities to recover, then they're going to be able to push themselves even further and try to elicit that adaptation in those training sessions that they are training in. Whereas it's more of a wider, uh, it, it occurs more often that if you're playing both sports, you are hopefully trying to avoid injury because we all know the best ability is availability to both teams. So as a result, you have to wrap those players a little bit more in cotton wool because you don't want them to get injured. If they get injured, they're going to be missing for both teams and then their recovery times may in fact even be longer as well because they will have this residual fatigue that's built up over time of training more times in a week. It goes without saying as well, with that schedule, like it's absolutely ludicrous. I don't know how many games is essential to play but it seems like 40 plus games or even 30 plus games is more akin to an NBA season than it is to a GAA season the added thing with this as well you might say well look we love playing like um so why can't we play that amount of games the demands of the sport are so high of both sports that you need to be able to recover and you need to be in a high level of performance for both in order to be at your best. What needs to be accounted for here is these are amateur athletes. So not only are they playing the sport and training, but they're going to work five, six days a week. They could be on a site. They could be in an office. They could have a high stress job. So therefore, the recovery isn't going to be the same as a professional or elite level athlete as well. So you're already trying to deal with that. And then you're adding more training sessions and more games onto it. It seems like a recipe for disaster. And to be honest, for, with my experience with it, it is very difficult to manage. And there is usually something that occurs throughout the year that needs to be managed. And that's the job. So I'm happy to do so. And I will always do what's in the player's best interest and what they want to do. Um, 
that is going to be the best thing for their health and their performance. So if they want to be released for a match or a training session and I say, look, you're at this level of recovery. I really don't think you should play the whole game or you shouldn't do the whole training session, but you can do this part of it or you can do th- you can play this many minutes and your risk will still be a little bit higher. But if you're willing to take that risk, then I'm willing to take that risk on you. Um, that conversation with them can be difficult. It can be even more difficult with the head coach of the team that they want to play for because inherently that job of the head coach or manager for that team, they're trying to do the best thing for their team. In doing so, they may need that player to be available to fulfill a tactical requirement within the team or to fill a potential position or to have a look at them to see if they're going to be um, the front runner for a starting position come championship or try them in a new position. And they won't always see the other side of it. Well, look, if they play this game, then they're probably going to have to miss the next game, which is the alternate hurling or football um, game or session or whatever. And that's why you need open lines of communication between those coaches all the time. But due to the nature of that job and due to the fact that that job is predicated on results, that coach through no fault of their own, is going to be more focused on their team than the other one. And they're not really going to care as much about the players' welfare within their hurling sessions as long or, or their football sessions as long as they're available for their session and their team. Um, and that's going to impact negatively on the other team. So it's it's like a tug of war, essentially, between the players. That's not going to be the best thing for the team, and it's not going to be the best thing for the player. So you probably need to set out at the start of the year what is required for the dual sport athletes or the dual athletes if you're going to do it at all. But number one thing, looking at that schedule of 40 games, there's absolutely no way that that can be fulfilled whatsoever. The players are, if they're going to play both sports, they're going to have to miss some of those games. And I know that's not the case in every county and they won't have that same demand because the leagues aren't as large and there's not the same frequency of games and from an external perspective over from rugby I just don't understand why you need that many games and I know I've spoken before about practice matches as well and why I believe you don't need that many practice matches as well because it's just adding more accumulative load to the system so it's adding the risk of suffering injuries Like in a rugby season, you might play 15 games maybe. And the players are happy with that amount of games. Now, I know it's there's more contact in rugby and there's probably because there's more contact, they need a little bit more time to recover. But I think that just because there's not loads of games doesn't impact on the enjoy how enjoyable the season is. I think if you shorten the format and you had maybe eight to 10 teams in the league and you took out two to four games it just means that the games that are being played are of a higher importance so then the players will be more up for those games and then they'll enjoy them a little bit more we all know that an abundance of anything means that you don't appreciate it as much so i think if they shorten the leagues or make them smaller the leagues therefore will be more competitive as a result because you won't have those two to three teams that are struggling at the bottom and are losing every game they'll be in a league suited to their performance level as well as that 
because there's less games, you're going to have to enjoy them more. And the argument has been put forward to me that like, well, sure, if you play a championship and you lose all three games and you're finished after three games, what are you supposed to do then? My answer to that would be, well, tough luck, like train harder, do better. Like um, if you get knocked out of any cup competition, you lost, like it's your own fault. Try again next year, get back into your training and do it. It shouldn't be just trying to fill matches to keep everyone happy. And if you are trying to fill matches to keep everyone happy, you could go with a format similar to what they do in the rugby sevens, where you have a cup competition, then you have a plate competition, uh, a bowl competition and a shield competition. So obviously in the league, that would mean the top four go into semifinals final. Then if you had the bottom four go into semifinals final, and even if you're keeping it at 12, you could have the, uh, the middle four going into uh, placing for like a fifth sixth place and they might say well those games mean nothing but there's so many games at the moment and there's other competitions as well that inherently some of these games are going to mean nothing and a game isn't going to be enjoyable as well if you're getting absolutely trounced or if you're absolutely trouncing somebody by 20 points so I think reducing the amount of games is a no-brainer it has to be done and it's the only way that to do a sport athlete will survive but it seems from the amount of games that's being put in, they're not trying to aid the dual sport athlete at all to survive. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of the conditioning element, they're going to miss out in conditioning. They're going to have a higher level of residual fatigue and they're not going to be able to improve themselves to the same level that the other players will be able to, as well as that they're probably not going to be able to push themselves in the gym and do the same quantity or the same volume in their strength sessions because they'll have games coming up interrupting the week because they may have a midweek game with one team and a weekend game with the other team so from that point of view you're going to get less exposure to your strength work and less exposure to your robustness work so therefore that's going to further enhance and increase your risk of injury we interrupt this podcast to let you know about the gaa elite athlete blueprint we at PD Performance have partnered with Kate McDade and all of the team over at NutriKate to deliver an online program and platform in relation to strength and conditioning for GAA athletes as well as nutritional assistance specific to GAA athletes in February. We have limited spaces available and the closing date for submissions is going to be Sunday, the 5th of February. So if you don't want to miss out, I suggest you drop me or Kate a DM or an email as soon as you possibly can. It's going to be a one-stop shop for all of your performance needs. The mission of both of our teams is to improve the quality of care and the standard of care in strength and conditioning and nutrition in the GAA. And if you're struggling as a club level athlete to access elite level strength and conditioning and nutritional assistance in the one place, I think you'd be mad to miss out. So you can drop me an email at peter at pdperformance.com. The program is currently priced at 99 euros per month, which is virtually the price of a night out. So if you're serious about taking your performance to the next level and achieving your goals in GAA, then make sure that you drop us a message now. I have thought about this and I've thought about it and deliberated about it. And I think that the only way you could probably do it to still try to get exposure to strength training, robustness work. And it's not the best thing. And I know it's a mad kind of idea for a lot of people to hear 
is using the principle of like cumulative fatigue and the system that they use in the NBA is that they'll do their strength sessions and work on their robustness and their movement quality and their movement-based stuff. They'll do that post-game when they're really, really tired. Because I had a conversation with a coach recently and we were talking about how an inter-county team were doing a gym session on a Monday after they played on a Sunday because they determined it to be the furthest point away from the next game. So doing it the furthest point away from the next game was the best thing in terms of reducing the risk of injury and allowing more time for more focus on football at that stage of uh, the season. My argument being that the Monday actually isn't the furthest time away from the next game. Also, they're going to be in a recovery phase. So they're recovering from the game, which was 24 hours previously. So how hard they can push themselves in that session is going to be pretty minimal because they're all sore. They're all attempting to recover. So they're not going to push the intensity as high. With the similar thought pattern, the furthest time away from the game, the next game is not the Monday. It's the hour post the first game. So... It might be mad idea to some if they haven't heard of it before, but in the NBA, they'll have something to eat, so a small snack, and then they'll go in the gym and they'll do 30 to 40 minutes of their lifting, their strength training, whatever they're doing. Exposure to that movement velocity and that intensity to reduce their risk of injury and just so they can fill in some strength training throughout the week. Because when they go in at that time, their heart rate is already up, their their blood is already flowing, their heat is up, their body temperature, the hormones have already been released. So they're not yet in recovery from the game. So therefore, it's probably better to do it then and to optimize recovery after that session, even if you're just doing 20, 30 minutes, than it is to allow them to recover, have a sleep and then get them in the following morning, which was what was being done. I don't think that's optimal at all. And from that conversation, that has been scrapped anyway. It was going to be scrapped anyway because it wasn't working. So I know it might not be the best thing and it's hard to facilitate. You need equipment with you uh, to be able to do so. Or if you're at your home ground, it's a little bit easier because you can get straight in and do the lifting session after the game. But I would probably recommend that for dual sport athletes if they are going to go ahead with that 30 to 40 game season, I would say the best time to do your lifting is post game. And I know it's hard initially, but your body will adapt to doing it. And even if it's only 20 to 30 minutes of decent work, it's going to be better than any work you do the following day. And then it will reduce the need for you to do something on, say, the Tuesday. If you play it on the Monday, you'll have less of a volume of strength training necessary. And as I said, that Tuesday, you might be only doing a primer if you like doing a primer, if you're going to play on the mon- on the Wednesday again. And looking at the calendar, like in the month of May in Dublin, it's looking like games, like two games a week for like four weeks in a row, um, which is insane. Like, And it occurred last year as well. And we had some unfortunate cases where players did break down. They got little niggles and then little niggles turned into chronic injuries and their recovery time was worse because of the residual fatigue, as well as that they were under such pressure to come back. A lot of the time it's hard to hold them back and they end up going back too soon. Then they get another injury and that just repeats itself, that cycle for the whole year. And in that way, neither team is benefiting at all from the player. The player has just been overloaded. And unfortunately, that is what happens if they're not managed optimally. And 
in order to be managed optimally, they have to be open to listening to obviously their physio and their strength and conditioning coach. And as well as that, they need to be confident enough to say no at times. But the difficulty with saying no at times to the coaches that are looking for them to do things is those coaches may perceive it. Well, they're not bought in. And I have this player that's playing more hurling or playing more football. So I'm going to pick this player because I've seen more of them. And I believe that they're getting more exposure to the training. They're grasping the tactical and the technical system better. Um, so I'm going to go with that player. And this player could potentially um, just fill a gap on the sideline for us. And they'll be a good sub to bring on. So unless you're a freak and you're class at both sports and you absolutely need to be in the team, it is going to be pretty difficult to burst straight into that team if you're not giving yourself the opportunities to showcase your talent and work on the technical, tactical aspects of the sport that do impact performance. If you're playing one sport at an elite, say, senior level and the other sport at maybe more of a social level, then I think that's probably more manageable for sure, as well as that if you're playing it at more of a social level then you may not have the same demand in terms of training sessions. And as well as that, the intensity of the training sessions might not be at the same standard as two elite senior teams. Um, but we see like more and more the teams that are going well have less and less dual athletes. And I think it's just down to the fact that it's so incredibly hard to do. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but it is pretty difficult to do. Um as well as that, the other things that I did notice throughout the year was not only in terms of the residual fatigue being quite uh, apparent in that their outputs, the players' outputs on GPS in the gym, etc., were limited or regressing on their jumps, etc., they're poorly recovered um, because they're playing so much and because they're up at the pitch so much. I also saw with a lot of them symptoms of mental fatigue and burnout and they weren't actually enjoying the sports anymore. And that's the reason they play in the first in the first reason or the first place um, is they play because they love it. They enjoy it. So when it gets to that stage that you're not enjoying either and you don't want to be up at the pitch anymore because you're up there five days a week, I think that's when you probably need to have a conversation or make a decision in terms of, look, I'll still be available for you guys, but um, I'm going to have to favor this team because I can only do one to a higher level than the other. I'll be available for your league games and your championship games, and I'll be able to train once per week or once every two weeks, but I can't make myself available for every training session and every game that is there. I'm not going to be able to play practice matches. I'm not going to be able to play every league game. I'm not going to be able to play every practice match or league game with the other team as well. Um but I'm going to do my best to do the best that I can for both teams. And that's perfectly fine because that's your prerogative as an athlete. Sometimes, as I went through in the last podcast, you're not playing to win. You're playing and you're not playing to compete. You're playing to play. You enjoy it. You enjoy the social aspect of it. And that's perfectly fine. But I know that a lot of coaches are going to be happy with that to just play to play and come up and play and enjoy yourself and do your best especially at a senior level, because those coaches are like, they're singularly focused towards winning and competing and they want you to completely buy in. And if you're not completely buy in, bought in, then sorry, 
maybe you need to play more with a lower level team like the intermediates or the juniors or whatever if you still want to play and that's a hard conversation to have and it's a hard um sell and some players might not understand that to the same extent some of them will if you if you actually broach and have that conversation but at the same time i think with this new system it's going to be pretty apparent for them that if you're going to give 100% to a team, you can't be given 100% to another team because you don't have 200%. You only have 100% to give. So maybe it's possible to give 60% to one team, 40 to the other, but the coaches aren't going to be really enthralled with that. And nor are your teammates, I'd say, to be honest. And I've seen that at times too. But another aspect of it, and it probably leads to the mental fatigue and the burnout, is... When you're up the pitch so often, and I've spoken about it before, you're not getting the opportunities to mentally switch off and recover away from the pitch. As well as that, you have the car journey to and from the pitch. So when you're in the car, you're not going to be recovering either. You're not at home relaxing. You're not spending time with your loved ones. You're not just switching off from sport and from work at all because you're still focused on improving. You're still concentrating on what the coaches are saying and what is happening in the training session no matter if you are participating in the training session or not and you are having conversations around how we can improve etc as well as that i'm annoying you asking you how you're feeling how's your calf how's your hamstring um how's everything at home uh any particular places that you're feeling sore how's your snc going when did you get it done, etc. All the things that I'm interested in because I am focused on making you available to play and I'm focused on your health and your performance because they go hand in hand. But in order to optimize your health and your performance, I'm going to need you to adhere to certain healthy habits. And sometimes I would prefer if the players weren't up, I'd prefer if they were away doing something that they enjoy with their girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, um, or with their family or going away on holidays and switching off completely. And that's another aspect of this calendar. It doesn't really leave scope to go away on holidays at all um, because there's games virtually every week. I know that they've said, right, well, we put in a summer break for people to go on holidays, but they didn't. Uh, link up the or coincide the summer breaks for both hurling and football with each other so on the week that there's a summer break for the hurling the football is being played that weekend and the same thing for the hurling summer break there's football games that week or same thing for the football summer break there's hurling games that weekend so if you're to go away the max you're going to get is probably a four or five day away if you're including a bank holiday as well as that you're probably going to end up missing games which you can negotiate with the coaching staff but it's not the best thing i i kind of try to optimize the amount of people at training by setting out a calendar at the start of the year and setting aside the times that you'd suggest people go away that you might have a deload week or people can head away on holidays or switch off or just do nothing for a week or so and um, so that they have other aspects of their life that they can um, fill those buckets up as well and enjoy themselves and their whole identity isn't centralized around I'm a footballer I'm a hurdler I'm a camogie player um, because at the same time you might be those things but you're also a brother a husband a wife a sister a father very very important that you have time away that you can spend with your kids a mother um like a son a daughter like 
those people in your life and your friends as well are not going to be happy to not see you for the whole of February until October because you're playing two sports and you don't have the time. And that's not going to be great for your psychological health as well and your mental health um, because we play because we enjoy it and you're obviously playing with your friends, but you need time away from that as well to really enjoy it. And it comes back to the same principle of more of something does not necessarily mean better. Sometimes less of something is better and makes you appreciate it more. I hope that makes sense. But in terms of how to solve the issues, like I would never really tell a player like you've got to pick one or the other. Um, I will outline everything I've just outlined that you're probably limiting your performance for both teams by doing so, but I will facilitate you doing so as best as I possibly can. If you want me to, your risk of injury is going to be high. Your risk of burnout and mental fatigue is going to be high. And you're not going to have the same opportunities to put your best foot forward and play and feature for both sides. If you are playing both sports, but if you're just playing to play, then play away. I'll, I'll help you do so. So, I would never go that route, but some people probably as they get on in years and their recovery isn't what it needs to be or what in order to play both sports, they probably do need to make the decision like, right, I'm going to give myself fully to this sport um, and that's it. And then I'll have more time to go do things outside the sport. I'll be better prepared and better performing in this sport and I can give more of myself to it. I can be a team leader, etc. And my risk of injury won't be as high. But they could do that and still play another sport to a lesser level where they don't have the same training demands, as I said. The other option is kind of what has been going on a lot of the time in different clubs in that you're giving 50% to each team. So because they've alternated the calendar in terms of you have a week or two weeks football or one week football and then two or one week's hurling, you could essentially say, right, on the football weeks, I'm going to do all of the training sessions football. And on the hurling weeks, I'm going to do all of the sessions hurling. But you are probably not getting the same exposure to the skill work that you need to be able to do in order to uh, develop yourself in both sports. Um, and likewise, you run into that problem of when do you take the time off if you're playing something every week? Um, so that's probably the other option. Another option would be to say, I am going to play both sports, but I'm going to favor one sport over the other. So I'm only going to fulfill or I'm going to be at every session for, uh, say, the hurling team bar one on the week of a football match. So I'm going to fulfill all of those training sessions and all of those games. But on the week that I'm playing football, I'm going to do one less hurling session and I'm going to focus on uh, one additional football session that week again depending on how good you are um, and depending on the coach you're dealing with they might not necessarily be happy with that but it could be an alternative all the same if they do agree to it it just needs to be outlined and set for with between the both coaches and agreed upon prior to you starting that approach is there another option? There probably is, and it's probably something similar to that in that you'll say, right, I'm going to fulfill, I'm just going to play championship with one team. 
I'm going to not play any of the league, but I'm going to make myself available for the championship season. And that probably only works if one team is playing below a level and if you're pretty darn good as well at that sport. So you don't need to play as many games. Um, And it only works if championship is the priority. If the league is the priority, you might do it the opposite way and you'll say, I'm going to fulfill all of the league fixtures for one even though I don't think that's going to be possible given the amount of league fixtures as it went through um, in Dublin at the moment. It might be possible in a different county where there's less league fixtures and there's less teams in the league. Um, But that's another option. I'm only going to play one competition with one of the teams um, and then I'm going to play both with the other team. Again, it's probably not the best thing for the team in terms of preparation for both competitions, but you maybe just fill in the gap if one team isn't particularly focused on the league, they're more focused on championship. It could be an option if it's agreed upon. And the same thing as well. Like I think in every team, there are nuances because every squad is different. You might have a very large squad or you might have a very small squad. So if you have small squads and you have a lot of dual athletes, then they might need to fulfill fixtures for both. Um, Likewise, if you have a very large squad, there's probably more squad rotation. So you won't get the same exposure of minutes and to match play that you would with a smaller club. So maybe it's more doable there where the coach says, look, we have cover here for this week. It's a league game. We're not too focused on it. And I want to have a look at these guys anyway. So maybe go away for the weekend. Just switch off. You don't have to come up at all. And we'll manage for two weeks or whatever without you. And then you can come back in afterwards. But that's the benefit of having uh, more club members, I suppose, and not every club is going to have that. And typically from the conversations I've had over the last week or so, um, the clubs that are smaller are typically the ones that are that have the most dual athletes, in fact, um, probably because they need the dual athletes in order to fulfill fixtures and play the games. I had a conversation with a guy last week and he's up in Donegal and he said he plays hurling on a Friday, all the match days. And then on a Sunday, he plays a football match. And I was like, look, that's obviously not going to be optimal from a recovery standpoint because you probably want at least 48 to 72 hours post game to recover. Um, So you're not going to be recovered by the time you're going into that football match on the Sunday. And that's the difficulty when you're not rotating the season or rotating the weeks in terms of the season, in terms of one week on one sport and one week on the other, or two weeks on one sport and two weeks on the other. That's what you run into. And I would assume that's across the board in a lot of uh, counties that's going on. And it just seems that it's becoming harder and harder for the club player to play both sports. Not impossible, as I've said, as I've gone through all the different scenarios that i could have but if you have any other ideas as to how to do it then feel free to drop me a message because i'm open to suggestions at the moment as are other people and maybe if you drop me a message as to how you do it on the next podcast or the next solo podcast i could go through some of them and give some information to those that are struggling to do so but still want to do so so that's kind of my thoughts on it i'm pretty open in terms of how Uh, flexible I can be and I'll always be flexible and I'll always do what's in the best interest of the player from both a physical and a mental standpoint and I'll always facilitate them doing what they want to do I always will have one eye on what's best for the team longer term and the club longer term because if somebody is exposed to that volume of games their risk of injury is going to go up 
And if they get injured, then their risk of them dropping out from sport is going to be higher as well. So we want to keep players playing. We want to keep players playing both sports. We want to do so so that the club on every level is given the best opportunity to improve. As well as that, if you retain more players, then obviously you're going to have more options and you're going to have bigger squads. So then you won't run into the problem of hopefully down the line, you won't run into the problem of trying to manage loads of dual sport players between uh, between squads because you will have more squad rotation and there won't be that same exposure of minutes. But I do think, and I think, I think it still is completely ludicrous to attempt to even try to fulfil all of those fixtures and fulfil all of those games for both teams. I think allowances have to be made. And I remember having a conversation last year with uh, an English strength, strength conditioning coach about this when we were developing the monitoring tool. And I was putting in that, right, well, they have to put in a hurling session um, on the monitoring tool if they did a hurling session. And if they do a football session, then they have to put in that they did a football session. And he was just kind of like, sorry, what? what? What's the, like, why would they be doing two different sports? And I was like, well, some of them play two different sports. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, they play two different sports over the same season. And I was like, yeah. And he was just, he couldn't fathom, he couldn't understand it at all. And I was like, we probably do it just because we love it and because that's the way it's always been done. Um, But maybe what's always been done is not going to be what's continually being done. Maybe at some level and at some stage change needs to happen. And I think from my perspective anyway, change needs to happen in terms of the volume of fixtures for sure. And I look at other counties and they don't have the same volume of fixtures um, and they still are happy with the amount of games that they play. I think it gives them more opportunities um, to enjoy those fixtures. And if you win and you go on and you keep playing and you're well into the knockout stages and go on to an All-Ireland, fair play to you. But if you didn't, tough luck. Sorry, unfortunately, come back for next season. So, Hopefully I've provided some interesting thoughts for you guys there. Again, get in touch if you have any questions um, around how to manage it, load management, etc. I'm happy to help people and have conversations with coaches. And thanks for listening. And again, as always, if you are interested in receiving any help from myself in relation to in-person or online coaching or any of my other subscription-based services or programs, then just drop me a DM, a message, an email, and I'll be sure to get back to you as soon as I can. I'm always happy to help. The mission of PD Performance is to improve the standard of care in strength and conditioning and performance-based coaching in the GAA. So we're going to continue to do so. So as always, I hope you enjoyed this. And if you did enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it, and send it.